This is, uh, I'm a big fat green monkey. And, uh, well, mm. I want to have ba chimps babies because I'm a big fat green monkey. Oh, don't we all? I mean, look at those feet. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just stick it anywhere. If you, if you hear this, keep it in at the end as an outtake. <laughs> oh, at the very end. The very end. Yeah. That's how we I sign off this. Really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Gossip Stone Podcast, where we cover the Ocarina of Time randomizer. We focus primarily on the racing and the competitive scene, as well as various other related topics for the community as a whole. I am one of your hosts, Emo Soda. Joined today, this lovely Sunday afternoon of the recording, um, by my co-host, Jim Van Reeve. Good evening, everyone. It's a borderline late evening for me over in the UK today. I have a nice cider with me to take me through the next few hours. Yeah, it's finally not uh, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit for me now. It's finally, the highs are definitely in the 90s now, or 80s, you know. <laughs> so it's it's been uh, it's been fun to deal with. Weather's cooled down a little bit. No more rain. We're in the dry season now. Uh, but it's been pretty nice. So, uh, and joined to us today, all well, joined with us today on the podcast is a uh, guest that we last saw him on episode 17, which was last August, uh, where we discussed the state of the Ocarina of Time randomizer community and the big leadership shakeup that we had. So we had like um, a bunch of mods leave and a bunch of new mods come in. So, um, but beyond that, we had a lot of other changes too. Um, but you can hear about more about that on uh, episode 17. So, um, but Trez, how are you doing? Hey friends, it's been a year, right? <laughs> glad to glad to be back. <laughs> been a hot minute. Um, I'm really happy to be back uh, now in this club. Three people over thirty, so like ninety percent older, or like older than ninety percent of the community. Yeah, worth highlighting by the way, and something I can't remember who brought this up in in the chat, but. It's episode 30, and all three of us are 30. So, happy 30th birthday, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, we had to wait until we were all 30 before we could make this. Yeah, that's why it's been a year <laughs> since Trez came on. That's like the like, biggest well. boomer moment today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but today we're going to talk about what keeps us interested in Ocarina of Time randomizer. Uh, what's, um, you know, what draws us to the community and the community itself is doing kind of checking up on that uh but we'll also have an update on how it's been doing just overall in the past year since our last episode with tresco uh the community as a whole like i said the competitive kind of competitive scene which has a lot of new developments uh new race mods too uh, that seem quite active 
and uh, us here at the podcast and how, how we've been doing in the past year and uh, any new updates for the podcast as a whole. Well, first off, I can say that we have new uh, integration for the podcast, right? So uh, now you can see it on most of your favorites podcast platforms, uh, whether it be iTunes, um, Spotify. Yeah, I think there's like a couple other ones on there too, but um, that's all good and uh, dandy now. So we're not just on the website, uh, otrandomizer.com slash podcast, but also uh, hopefully have a podcast near you where you can select other podcasts that you'd like to. So. This chimp is on Spotify, baby. It's yeah. only a matter of time. <laughs> But yeah, thanks uh, to Trez and Winnie for sorting that out and the integration and all that jazz. So uh, yeah, big thanks to them for getting it all set up in the background. Sure. Yeah, it's been it's been great, Trez. Thank you for that. Um, it's it really helps bring our platform to a, a wider audience, even if it's just like one or two stray listeners that can have a big impact on on the community. Just one or two people like that um, that we we'd want. So. Um, yeah, I'm pretty hyped for it, you could say. Yeah, it actually took a little longer than I wanted. Uh, like when he approached me about it a while ago and I finally found the time to do it. But now it's all automated. So at least nobody has to worry and all, all new episodes will go on. I think right now it's Spotify, Google Podcast or Google Music and Apple Podcast. Not sure if that if there's anything else, but... Hmm. Beautiful. Well, let's move on to the first topic then. So why are we still here? Good question. Uh, could, uh, could be a very phil- philosophical question if you wanted to, but let's not do that. Uh, why are we still in the Ocarina of Time randomizer community? Um, needless to say, Trez, you've been in the community for quite some time now. <laughs> um, myself uh, and Emo have also been in it since uh, some of the early days. Um but I guess I'll I'll kick us off. Um, sort of taster for lead us into lead you two into the topic. So why am I still in the uh, randomized community? Um, and it's a I guess both simple and complex um, answer. It's very simple because I still love the game. I still love playing the game. You know, ultimately at its core, I could happily sit down and you know continue to play Ocarina of Randomizer. Ocarina of Randomizer, Ocarina of Time Randomizer. Uh, quite casually, I still enjoy it every time. Um, new formats get brought up every once in a while. You know, I've just recently joined the Random Settings League, and co-op has been a thing. Multi-world's been a thing. So there's always something new to do with uh, with the game. And as for the community, you know, I'm I'm very uh, very passionate about the community as a whole. You know, I've I've gone from random person who came last in their first race because they didn't know might have skipped and took 12 hours um to you know being a, a mod for the discord you know i've done essentially kind of everything bar admin <laughs> like for for various aspects of of the community i've been on the podcast of organized tournaments of as i say still an active mod help with volunteers did a restream or two um and yeah, I just, you know, I love the people and I love the community and despite its its problems sometimes, it, it brings a lot of good to people, brings a lot of joy and, um, you know, why would I not still try and keep in with a community that, you know, makes makes me and a ton of other people happy just to be there, you know, so as long as the community stays, you know, good at its core 
and things keep evolving and developing and people are still interested, you know, I'm, I'm still going to be here. Why am I still here? It's, it's a good, good question. Uh, I don't really know, but I am still here. That's uh, what I would say to somebody asking me that. But really, I don't know. There's just something cool about the randomizer, how you can route. Just really just the base game itself is pretty amazing if you think about it. There's so many ways to break it, but uh, to even have those opportunities to break it, it has to be a well-designed game for that. And I think it's just a light, like a perfect storm almost of things that come together that make randomizer and into what it is and into something that can be good and can be a positive. So for me, I think it's because we can do even more than we're currently doing. Um, you know, I can see something really, really bright on the horizon. And I'm, that's why I wear these sunglasses all the time. Uh, even indoors, so finally makes sense now. Yeah, I mean that's why I'm involved with Random Settings League, which is really chaotic. It's the most chaotic format that you have with our randomizer um, bar, just really extreme stuff. But you know, I like the complexity. I like the weird stuff. Uh, a little bit later today, I'm gonna hold uh, an anti-weekly race. This is the anti-NA weekly, which is held on the wrong day, so Sunday instead of Saturday, at the same time. <laughs> so it's going to be Sunday night. <laughs> and it, that, that's, uh, for example, has all the normal weekly checks. Those are all excluded. You cannot do those. Well, you can, but you can get bloopies and other bad stuff. And everything that's not, and plus an, or minus a few things, you can actually do so scrubs, cows, and uh, skulls. But um, j just as an example, though, just of something that is possible now with the randomizer that maybe wasn't even just a year ago. So, um, of course, <laughs> man, there's been so many things that have happened in the past year. But, um, yeah, interested and engaged, though, with, with our randomizer. I'd, yeah, I would just say just, there's just so much more we can you know, we can all do to uh, make it even better. So that's why I'm still here because I know that can, that's possible. I think um, I guess to add to that, I think with something that's been on the horizon for a little while is decomp, right? That's been sort of everyone's holy grail is like, oh man, when decomp's done, just imagine the possibilities and what things can change. Which I think is a bit of a I don't know, maybe a poison chalice in in a sense because. I think people think that decomp is you know going to change everything, and everyone you know people are just going to make everything happen at once. But in reality, <laughs> I think uh, I think that's not going to happen. I think the devs are probably going to be quite restrained in terms of the changes they can and will make. Um, so yeah, something something that I'm looking forward to happen, and to, you know, for decomp to finish. Um, but I'm also not sitting here like, yeah, that's totally going to change the game. I think it can definitely open up what people can do with it, but I think in terms of what's actually going to get integrated, it's probably going to be um, more modest than what people might think. But that's what I think on anyway. And then there's you, Trez. You know, yeah. why, why have you stuck around? So why am I still here? Do I even get a choice? I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, it's it's been so long by now that I'm not even sure how it was before OTR was a thing in my or also in ZSR's life. Um, it's been like four years now, which is kind of nuts to think about. Um, but yeah, I I just feel this this urge to to stay involved and to push the community forward, as you all know. Um, OTR, as for playing it, gives me uh, great joy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just because I'm so insanely good at it. Um, no, but like seriously, uh, of course, I'm not the biggest and most active OTR player that we all know. Um, but the entire community of OTR and the things that we together have built over the past few years is just something that I really have like no desire to leave behind. Um, I actually get asked this question quite often on why or how do I continue to stay around for so long? And um, there's actually a really simple answer to that. It's the... Uh, that it's the fact that the fashion fascination that I always felt is just still there. Um, building this community and trying to make it better and even bigger and more compatible with like the entire community or just with everybody that's interested. It's just something that I find is really interesting. And um, so I actually do see it from a little different angle than the two of you. Although making the randomizer better and pushing competitive forward is obviously two really important goals. For me, the entire community building aspect is just the one thing that keeps me going. Um, just because there is so much to do and there's so much potential in there. And it enables, in my opinion, most of the things that we do regarding competitiveness, regarding uh, charity and even the randomizer itself. Um, so as long as that's a factor and as long as the OTR Discord exists, um, there's stuff for me to do, I think. So uh, that's as long as that's the case, I'm going to be around at least as long as people don't like, like get me going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so you heard him, folks. Hashtag ban Trez. Uh, starting, starting tomorrow. Good luck when trying. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think there's a fair point about the community as a whole. Like, I've, I've made genuine lifetime friends with being involved with OOTR, and I think a lot of people can probably say the same. So it's just a, you know, just outside the game itself and just as a community, it's, it's a huge thing. And having a place for people to to go and feel welcome is possibly more important than the game itself. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a really good point and definitely a lot of people can probably agree with, but no, that's a, that's cool. That was a nice warm up. Uh, so obviously last, uh, last August we had a big, big episode with Trez and that was, Pending a sort of a bit of a community shakeup, shall we say? Um, you know, a bit of a little bit of discontentment in the community as a whole. 
And there were some changes, you know, changes to mod support. Chamber Sages were no longer a thing. Um, and a lot of that was uh, sort of really well discussed at the time. So I definitely recommend going back to episode 17 if you want more information on that as it was sort of happening. So we've um, had the podcast running almost twice as many episodes as we had Trez on last time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now up to 30. Just can't but stop yeah. discussing things. I don't know. <laughs> shit just keeps happening. You know, it's, the, the sky is falling. I'm going to, hey, the sky is falling. And on to uh, randomizer races for today. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, one year later, we're here back to discuss what's changed in the last year, as well as the overall current state of the community. Now, as a whole here, how do you think the community is doing compared to a year ago? That's just kind of an open question to both of you. Hmm. So I'll let Tris start this one. Sure. So um, in general, I think a lot of changes that happened during the past year were actually really, really good for the community as a whole. Um, most of you or most people that were around for episode 17 um, were around for a phase where the public image of the OTR community, especially of the leadership team or like staff and the racing scene, wasn't a good one. Maybe not entirely terrible, but people had a certain idea of OTR that wasn't entirely positive. And while that might not have changed in its entirety. Um, I do think that the overall idea of OTR and the overall tone of OTR has shifted. Um, I think it's it's a lot more welcoming these days. Um, and I think while we still have some challenges in the community, um, we are on a good path. Um, sure, there is still some some topics that are problematic um we had a year now that was like so full of events and tournaments that everybody feels the volunteer burnout um to an extreme that we hadn't seen before um there is still some problems with like development where we're not getting forward as fast as we want to um, there's still some issues with the racing scene where there is a really fine balance that we haven't found yet, in my opinion, between the top level, the top 10% or even the top 5% and the mid and lower card that is not easy to fix and that nobody has really found a good solution for. Um, but in general, I think the OTR community and especially the Discord is a happier and a less toxic place than it was a year ago which is something that i'm really happy about just because that's what that was one of the goals when we had the big um community shake up uh last year so that's a goal that i think we actually managed to reach um and as far as like growth goes the otr discord server has not grown as much this year it's only like 
I don't know. I think last year when we had the podcast, we were around 40,000 people in the Discord, and now we're like 44. So growth has not come to a halt, but obviously has slowed down a lot. Like 44,600 people right now. What has considerably grown is OTR.com because we moved from like 50,000 visits every month to 300,000 in September. Damn. Which is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah. Do you think a big part of that is decreasing the time in between competitive tournaments is, is probably the biggest thing. So just an organizational standpoint or a perspective from the organizers, I, I think has been a lot better too. So I just just that time between it, it doesn't even matter which tournament it is. I think most people can come to the conclusion now. There's becoming the understanding that you can't join, you can't join every tournament. And I think this is kind of one of the, like the better aspects of the scrubs tournaments that is kind of fascinating. Like if you're too good, you don't qualify. So, but I think that's fine. I think that's fine. You know, gatekeeping that out. Um, it's they're designing the tournament for a specific purpose. So I, for that, it works really well, but I think it also kind of secondarily added that function of, well, me as like a top 10% or not me, not me myself. I'm just like, uh, let's say any competitive race here, top whatever percent you look at the scrubs tournament and you say, well, would I even have fun even if I were in the tournament? Because I would just kind of walk over them. Right. So like it's, or you you lose and you look bad. So it's like a lose lose scenario. So it's like well, just having the the option, I think just not being there in the first place, really just it kind of put that into their their everyone's heads a little bit more and kind of solidified that just as like a an accepted reality. You know that that we live in. You can't be in every tournament for randomizer. We're just too big now as a community. Um, where before, I think a lot of like really diehard runners, like especially, I don't know. I don't know if I would call myself diehard, but <laughs> uh, trying to join every tournament is a challenge in itself. You know, I'm trying to do well in every single one. Um, but I think that's been definitely one of the best things to have happened. Uh, even just since a year ago, just the time between tournaments shortening and then also uh, that just realizing that the community is as large as it is, like you kind of just have to pick and choose your battles sometimes, I think. Yeah, I even think just being a random racer. It's kind of interesting though, because like I think, um, and I don't think Trez, you'd, you'd disagree with this. I think ultimately there was always an aim to make the main tournament shorter, right? In terms of make it sure, have it more frequent than once a year. Technically, that hasn't happened. And you could argue that the sort of aim of that hasn't quite been met and potentially failed at this point in terms of just sort of bringing that in. But as you say, because there's been so many things supplementary to it, its its effect is less because a lot of the, a lot of the you know, sort of... The, the competitive scene basically they don't have to wait an entire year for another tournament because there's something else accessible you know there's as co-op or there's you know blitz tournaments or there's 
whatever sort of comes up. You know, what every two months you could probably join a new tournament these days. Um, but it's kind of I don't want to don't want to sound negative on that one, but I'd say it's maybe papered over the cracks a little. Technically, this this ambition that was being tried to you know we were trying to meet you know as someone who helped season four that was part of our remit as well you know come on board make it happen and make it happen good and fast um technically it hasn't been met and it's only it's only not been noticed because of how much extra there is um so i'd say that's something that's probably outstanding in terms of an aim um i'm not and i'm not sure if trez this is something you'd ever spoken to the teams about or whatever but it, it sounded like in general the, the the aim was always to sort of bring in those those tournaments so that they do happen a little sooner each time um but yeah that, that just that's just not happened why why do, do, do you sort of agree with that opinion or do you have any sort of insight as to why that yeah, hasn't been a thing yet so so in general i think the the main idea was not to have like uh, more main tournaments like that's obviously one way to do it but i think the main idea always was to have enough tournament coverage um just because the downtime was too long and there's no way around it um if you just look at it from that angle the goal was reached obviously um however you are right that it didn't come at the main tournament, getting more iterations, being quicker, being shorter. Um, and I actually do think that while all these new ideas and new tournaments and new concepts are amazing, um, it does come with with its own set of problems, especially since right now there is like no um, planning involved between the teams. Um, there's many different teams doing organization for tournaments. We had the DDR tournament, we had RSL, co-op, multi-world, then the Blitz tournaments, then Scrubs, um, SG Live. Um, and it's kind of hard to balance it out between all these tournaments um, in a way that, for example, the main tournament um has the space it needs um that's a problem we are facing right now that i just said okay we need to push the main tournament just because there is no space for it right now um and that's actually an, an issue that came out of this development although in general this development is a really positive one i 100 agree with you there um we're, we're now facing in my opinion the problem of too many tournaments um just because of the points that I just mentioned or because uh, of the volunteer burnout that I just talked about earlier, um, both have their issues, like both approaches. Having one tournament a year is just dumb because everybody will play for a few months, it will drag out, and then there's nothing forever. Um, but now we're at a point where some tournaments or some... Other formats like the league get pushed and pushed and pushed because um, we can't find the space and don't want to push anybody off or like tell anybody not to run the tournament. So that's an, an issue in itself. Um, I think it's if we have a job for the upcoming year of OTR is that we find a fine balance between the two approaches. Um, 
because there is so many interesting tournaments it would be dumb to just basically block them or give them no room to do their thing but at the same time we kind of need those slots to make the league to make the main tournament happen uh, at least if we want that um and i think the next year we will definitely talk about like trying to make a somewhat balanced yearly schedule ahead of time as much as possible um so like try to roughly schedule tournaments a bit in advance so this is under control you know mm. um i think that's one of the challenges um with all that tough one it is making a schedule means that you're kind of on an assumption that no other tournaments will happen, right? It's like, well, let's schedule these six tournaments in. And then all of a sudden, someone comes in with a seventh. It's like, hey, just so you know, I'm starting this tournament. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that, there goes that whole year's worth of planning. I mean, it's it's definitely so that more than one tournament can run at a time. I mean, we see mm. it right now. Um, the problem is that we've been basically running multiple tournaments at a time for the past five months <laughs> and that might be a little rough um just because you you see it now like people see okay race moderation is just so much work but like fpa and all that stuff that we have we can't find uh race moderators for everything or it's like a really tough battle to find them uh we have canceled like i believe three of the last six and a weeklies because there weren't any commentators um those are just tough challenges that you need to face as well to be fair the commentary and tracking shortage is just not a point for the community itself just because the tournament and the players and the players being able to re to race is much more important than the restream side of things um but it's obviously a, a thing that plays its part because people obviously want the exposure and people want to show their cool tournament to the to an audience. So that obviously plays its part. It's obviously a very valid point. And I guess volunteer organization and, and sort of availability is a sort of own major discussion, I think. Um, there's definitely some major pain points which are very evident because of all of these tournaments um and that that needs addressing some somehow and in some way that i'm not sure um but it's definitely something that needs addressing in the future but yeah um, i think uh having like a, an organization a sort of central organizational team sounds like a good idea and i know this is something you've mentioned but in the in the past trails of like wanting more people to sort of help organize tournaments in sort of the, the main the main discord and bring up ideas and stuff and what happened instead was sort of it, it fractured off a little bit the fracturing of the the community sort of led to this disorganization and i'm not sure if it's possible to bring that back if, if you know what i'm saying like you know tsg and scrubs exist as sort of separate entities blitz tournaments are scheduled in a different discord um and I think it's it might be quite tough to sort of bring that back more centrally, even though I think it's probably the right idea. Um, I think it's going to be very tough to do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, it's 
it's kind of surprising to me. I I just gotta be honest here. Um, that the communities that formed or like the side gigs that did form, um, stayed as consistent as they were, as they are right now. Um, I know. I mean, most are aware that Squabs wasn't a slump where they didn't quite know how they wanted to continue, but they pushed through and they have a really successful tournament right now. Um. TSG even got Twitch partner. Although I need to talk to, to um Twitch about that. Cause I'm mad, Twitch. <laughs> just saying. Cause, Z- cause ZSR2 is as big as TSG and oh. I'm not getting a second partner. Just saying, Twitch. <laughs> no, just kidding. Mm, um, <laughs> but yeah, um I I was surprised by that, but they found their niche. And they pushed for it, and they have all right to stay there and be there. And um, I think Chimp, your co-op tournament right now is the best example for something that formed that was just never in the scope of the main tournament, or that wasn't really a thing that people talked about it a lot. Talked about a lot in the main tournament area that just actually became something really cool that people enjoy and thoroughly enjoy. Um, and I mean, I don't think there are any plans to move this back to the main discord area and like the main organization part at any point. Um, and that's fine. I think that's not a big deal. Um, I think we do need to work on like, um, talking to each other or like having the different organization teams talk to each other to prevent as much overlap as possible. Yeah, Um, definitely. Uh, that kind of goes back to my last point as well. But yeah, I think besides that, uh, the v- the variety of things that we saw is just awesome. I, I enjoy this a lot. Um, well, moving on from the tournament side of things, because I think we could talk about tournaments probably forever. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there is, uh, as we as Which mentioned... Which one do you want to talk about? Exactly. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier, the um, the community aspect of things is, is one of the... the sort of big deals um and this is a question i genuinely don't know the answer to because i'm not involved in many other communities but what is the reputation of ootr and the community sort of around the other communities because i genuinely Uh, don't know this i'm barely part of any other discourse communities as a whole so so in general it's kind of interesting that you bring this up because in the past two years um there was there's a general movement in the overall speedrunning and Zelda communities and even randomizer communities um to just do their own thing to not really care all that much about the other communities um that's not a movement i quite like a lot but it's just there um and that's why discussion about other communities um, in general became a lot more quiet or even came to a hold in its entirety. Um, if there's talks about OTR, it's definitely more positive than before. I mean, there were times where some communities like OT Online, for example, um, just or like Modloader64, what it is now, didn't 
really like the OTR community. There were times where even I think some people in Scrubs and TSG didn't like many aspects of the main community. And I think by now it's gotten a little more positive in that regard. Um, there's still distinctions between the communities that make it a fair point to just have a split, but it's not as negative anymore. Um, and I think a lot of this gets back to the fact that the OTR community as a whole hasn't been as negative or as toxic anymore. Um, kind of part of what we wanted to do last year. So that I guess that kind of worked. Then again, there's many points that make it difficult to like rate this right now. Um, I guess the past year and a half have been like really weird for all of us. 2021 has been a lot weirder than we all thought it would be. <laughs> or many thought, I guess, at least. Um, so I think before we all like get back into the, our absolute normal uh, groove, it's a little hard to judge how it turned out in the end. But I guess there was a sort of like for yeah. a positive spin on that though, because like because it has been such a tough time, you know, people have been spending more time indoors on games on, you know, you've gone up from 50,000 to 300,000 visits on the website, you know, which means that just more people in general are probably playing the rando and, and stuff like that. And yeah. the fact that it has uplifted in terms of, you know, a positive reputation at a time where it probably could have easily spiraled downwards because of how many more people were online and, people's free time being more involved with the community than like, uh, you know, cause people are furloughed and not working and stuff. So you could also look at it and be like, well, it's been a difficult time. And if throughout a very difficult time, there's actually been uplift in terms of, you know, optimism and people's general positive thoughts about the community instead of down, you know, a downward trend, which could have easily happened. Yeah, it's very fair. Um, I think overall, we all know that the end, entirety of the speedrunning or like gaming community can be a drama hole um and there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of people with really bad opinions a lot of canceling for good reasons sometimes even for bad reasons and i think in general otr came through this or came out of this without any big deals without any big issues. And I think that's a plus. You're right about that. Um, like, if anything, the reputation of OTR is definitely better than it was before. And that's an absolute plus, And there's no doubt about that. So I guess part of that is, uh, I guess, moving on to sort of more of the, the sh big shakeup that happened, right? Um, part of that could probably be down to the sort of changing of, of staff members, adding on, uh, you know, an admin and and more support staff and so on and so forth. So let's let's touch upon that if uh, if people agree. Um, so let's talk about that big anime nerd you had come on board to help you. Um, obviously, <laughs> ATC uh, came in as co-admin. Um, and just generally, how has that been? What sort of been? The positive aspects is there any difficulties you've been having and, and such 
So first and foremost, I just got to say uh, the amount of anime he brought to the Discord is a problem. That's just... <laughs> too much anime. Oh, no. Too much anime. But yeah, um, and that uh, was like really passionate about getting on last year. Like, it's not like I picked him. He just forced his way in, basically. Um, he actually came to me and asked if he can be an admin. Uh, that's a bold move. You just got to admit that. Um, but he brought a lot of fresh air. He he actually made me often change my perspective on things because it's only natural, in my opinion, when you do something for so long and you do it with the same people. Um, you get a little stuck. You know, you 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 some things that you see every day or really frequently they just grow on you and you don't question them anymore and that's something that i'm definitely guilty of um and and that actually managed to change that around um there were plenty of times where he just got involved and said okay wait this was how it was before does it have to be that way and that was actually a really valid and good point um he was um, like and that decided to really get into the problematic topics. He pushed forward for changes in race moderation, which at some point got really, really restrictive. Um, he pushed forward to get um, or to do something about the inactivity in staff. Um, and another really important point about the general tone in the Discord. Things that I just... Um, that I see now that needed changing, but that were mo even more problematic than I, than I thought before. Um, so in terms of community management, especially in regards to how to communicate with staff, how to manage staff, how to talk through uh, staff and how to connect to individual parts of the community, like the racing community, um, that's parts where he helped me a lot. Um, in the first few months, he took over most organizational duties. Of course, I was responsible for the general uh, public announcements and like the general push forward. And I still owned most topics, but he was kind of the project admin that kind of pushed all the projects that we wanted to do. Um, and he took it upon him to get a, a team together to work on stuff and to work this through, and he pushed it forward. Um, and that was kind of his role, and I kind of bound all these projects together um, to form what we call the OTI community. Um, and that was a really helpful experience, just because um, it, it helped me seeing, uh, to see things differently. Um, especially regarding old things that we always did that way um, that just needed changing. And there were plenty of these. This was like, how did staff talk to people? How did staff talk to each other? How did um, discussions with the developers go? How was our per uh, perception outside of the OTR Discord how aggressive and how restrictive were we about race moderation? These kind of things. 
Um, there was just things that needed a change and that needed a second pair of eyes from ATZ to get it going. Um, and all these things that needed changing kind of were changed in the past year, especially in the in the first five months of him being around. Um, ever since, he took a big step back. And um, I'm... Uh, at this point, it's mostly me doing the administration of the Discord alone again, because um, it, it was his big goal to mostly focus on the changes and bring the projects forward. And now he's taking a step back again, because um, he was really excited to work on these things and he thought it was important. Um, and um, at this point, um, it, like his, how did he, he always call it? He wanted to bring the community back on track. That, that was kind of how he called it. And I think he managed to do that together with the team and me and everybody else. Um, and I couldn't have done it on my own just because you get really stuck in these ideas. You get really stuck in these daily, daily, in this daily business. And you don't just look at it and say, okay, this, this is wrong. Because you don't do it. Because it's always been like that. And he managed to bring us, as he called it, back on track, I think. Even though he's a weep. Of course. <laughs> I just had to add that at the end. <laughs> Too much anime in the Discord. What a weeb. Indeed. That is it. <laughs> After all that... <laughs> That's his only reputation <laughs> from this perspective. But no, it's, um, I guess, like, kind of like a set of stabilizers in a sense. Yeah. That, uh, you know, a very fast moving bicycle of Ocarina of Time randomizer. Just needed a little bit of guidance this straight. But I guess, does that mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking for like an inside scoop or anything. Does that mean he's kind of done in terms of a co-admin you know ultimately his role has been fulfilled does that mean it's like i don't know is he sort of waiting for it to go off the rails again or is there other stuff that he's doing or what's what's the plan for that or is it just sort of he's there to help if things go wrong uh i think i think it's entirely on on him to decide how he wants to move on or if he wants to continue to be a part of the administration um and i'm not the one to make the call um yeah, that's fair. we're um i mean everybody n noticed by now that he's not playing anymore and i think that he's not involved in even the competitive aspect of otr as much as he's as he has been um i guess that's what you get when you keep losing tournaments um <laughs> but um yeah I I mean right now it's it's back to being me as an admin. Um but we'll see how it goes from here. Um him and me are in active talks about this and um I guess there will be an update at some point about him. Um and then we'll see. Honestly, I'm I'm not all that surprised cuz uh, it goes back to what I said earlier, that the fact that I've been around for so long is not normal in this kind of community. Um, 
usually those these engagements are a lot more short-lived um than it is with me or some others uh especially in our at our age now we are old but now all three of us are old yeah (laughs) it's it's not normal for for people to stay in like active administration or moderation and especially at that rate and uh at that intensity for so long um but that's entirely up to him as i said and i guess the um the other big changes were and we've always sort of touched upon it you know in terms of making the place more friendly and approachable was the change to the discord mods change to the, the support staff you know a big essentially an entire overhaul i think there was what was it four four mods stayed from the initial bunch everyone everyone got sort of let go and then sort of had to reapply and yeah overall, i think four mods stayed one support stayed or something like that um benefit you know have you seen have you seen success in this um, I guess for for both sets, Ign- ignoring me. I mean, if, if you want to, if you want to tell everyone how great I am, Trez, that's absolutely fine. But um, <laughs> ign- ignoring my input to my magnificent role, um, how's it how's it been? I mean, so everybody noticed that you just changed your name, so nobody knew you were there before. Just so trying to trick people. Yep, um, that was the plan all along. Yeah, that was the plan all along. So. Uh, in all seriousness, I think the entire thing was a success, um, especially regarding support staff. I think we managed to get over the negativity that this job can sometimes bring with it, as, at least in the manner it was before. Um, support has gotten a lot more personal, in my opinion. There's still some challenges that we need to work on, especially regarding suggestions. Um but in general, I think it's a lot more positive. People have been op- more open and less annoyed to do support duty. Um, it's 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 been a lot less condescending, and that's one part that I absolutely wanted to reach. Like I wanted support to feel more approachable, and for somebody that comes into the Discord and needs support to feel welcome. There was my one big goal. Um, newcomers should not feel uh, shat on or be treated disrespectful, but should feel welcome. And I think that's something we managed to do. Um, same goes for moderation, honestly. Um, there's obviously still parts where it's difficult to stay chill and relaxed, but in general, it's just like it's like it's looking on the outside even internally communication is a lot less less toxic the team is focusing on the negativity a lot less beforehand we had these problems that like support staff was constantly talking about happenings in the discord and either being super annoyed about it or just making fun of it just because it was their only coping mechanism and that just changed um it's a, a ton more relaxed. Um, we have a good team, I think, although there is a few challenges with moderators right now where I do think we need to look at activity again, something that we have not done of, often enough in the past. 
Uh, I think we're at a point where we need to discuss this again and maybe bring on bring in a new mod or two. Um, but especially support is something I'm just really proud of because um, they have a lot of cool ideas and the right mindset right now. And um, considering that this is a really thankless job at times, um, and the fact that you just need to deal with the same shit every time or like on repeat, they're doing a great job and they changed their attitude a lot. And that goes even for people that were just known to be troublemakers or like really aggressive in the past. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's okay with me saying this because um, overall it's positive. Cops, for example, was somebody on both support and moderators that was just just was was just considered to be um, not nice to people and like condescending and aggressive really very quickly. And that was one of the reasons why during uh, restructuring of the staff of staff um, he was not a part of the new team. And by now, Cups is a support member again and does a fantastic job. He also became a race mod recently. And um, I think that's that's one of the aspects where I think stuff really changed for the better. And people saw that they need to be changed. People saw that even though they didn't consider it at the time, stuff needed to change. And they put in the time to make it work. Of course, this is not a one and gone change and of course there is times where people still get annoyed and people still uh, respond in a way that might not be all that positive and all that fitting at the moment or in the moment but i the overall um the overall atmosphere is absolutely going in the right direction and we established a a form of error culture if you want um, a form of dealing with conflict that is a lot healthier than it was before. And that's just like half of the problems that we had, in my opinion, were solved by the fact that we have a better way of dealing with conflict. Um, and that's where we are right now. Yeah, I think it's very noticeable that a lot of people's first sort of foray into the discord is now a lot more positive um back in the past you know it wasn't wasn't too unfamiliar to for someone to join and potentially get a snarky response to their initial questions you know everyone joins as a noob one one time or another um but now i think it's a very easy place to sort of come into and get settled in you know and there will be people that don't ask the right questions or don't quite know what they want or hey let's just come in there to be you know trolls as such um but no i think um i completely agree it's it's very evident that the, the support team do a great job um and yeah I, I know a lot more of them too so i think for me personally uh, it's been a lot better in terms of approachability uh, staff and uh and mods so i i don't know i think they're doing a great job from Kind of an outsider's perspective. If I'm if I'm considered an outsider, I don't know if I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say like outsider with a, a very very good informant. <laughs> hmm. um, but 
But no, Am I like the rando either. version of the like queen, whatever that was from Game of Thrones when it was good, when it used to be good? <laughs> like not not the bald guy. I don't want to be the bald guy because he didn't have any balls. But um, oh shit! Yeah, I guess technically that's me in that scenario. <laughs> that's not. That's not great. <laughs> we know you have hands <laughs> <laughs> and feet. You've seen feet now. Oh yes, I oh, have. Boy. I think I have that saved on my phone. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Better save this before a chimp has cold feet. Not literally, I wouldn't know because it's a photo, but um, chimp's just lucky that there's no autocorrect in Discord calling him chump. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's my favorite typo that I don't change. (laughs) And because of that, now autocorrect just fucks me if I'm ever on my phone. But anyway, um, so yeah, how has like the development side kind of gone for OTR? How it was like versus a year ago, or just kind of how they're dealing with things now? Uh, so so that's actually a pain point, I think. Um, there is some, there has been development on the OTR code that was good, but overall. The activity in regards to active coding from a uh, full maintainer of the repository um, has basically been zero, um, with some exceptions, especially like in the past five to six months. Um, Of course, there was some development regarding community with like the Discord restructuring and Renderbot getting the reaction roles and other stuff with vendor bar that we just did but as for the randomizer itself um we are kind of at the point where our where test runner mostly moved on um and where zanik is really busy and can't really commit to doing his own stuff at the randomizer uh for the randomizer mostly um of course there's roman that sold us stuff but the big um, contributors of the randomizer or like the people that pushed randomizer as a software forward were the contributors. Um, and that's kind of how uh, that kind of sums, sums up development in the past few months as well. People um, like Rob, like Fennel, like Maxis, um, and definitely a few others that I just can't remember right now um did bring the randomizer forward i mean we are we're looking at a 6-1 release in the next few weeks um and it's obviously not a big one like it's looking at the amount of time that this took since 6-0 was released and 6-0 was released in uh released but it's 6.0 was december last year so it was it will be like almost a year at that point uh, and for that, the changes are not massive at all. Mm. Um, that's just something we need to face. Um, in the past few weeks, obviously preparing 6.1, development has picked up a lot and Zenic has pushed a lot and we have worked out a few few problems here and there and added a few new features. But we talked about um, Decomp earlier. Um, there's just other projects that our main devs are committed to. It's just like AA moved on at some point, TRS busy with other projects and so on. 
Um, so I do think that in the future, OTR will, as a project, will change to be a lot more pull request focused and um, mostly be about accepting new features from the community. Uh, obviously, it has a lot of conflict potential because even though um, there isn't any active maintainer development, uh, not everything that is pull requested will get in. That's just a sad truth. Not everything that somebody wants to be part of the repository will make it to the main repository. Um, a, a big example that we had for that in the past was the um, Navi hint thing, like where Navi would just give you a hint where to go next. Um, people have their, real, their own concept and their own ideas, and especially on a branch that is not actively maintained, there's a lot of room for new feature requests and uh, new ideas. And it's still a fine balance for a maintainer to find the right balance between bringing in cool new stuff that people thought about and that people actually put a lot of time in because you obviously want to give something back for that time that they uh, put in. Um, but on the other hand, trying to keep the software clean and good to understand and have a certain quality of code. Um, so, yeah, how do I put it? I want to be a post post 6.1, I want more active development on OTR again. Obviously, that's not easy when you don't have an active maintainer. So I've been talking to a few people, but so far not with some good result that I can come to. There's a few more people that have access to the main repository now and can merge pull requests and actually commit. For example, Cuphead is somebody. I can commit stuff. Um, then there's Roman that obviously still works on his branch and wants to keep working on his branch and mm. brings more of his stuff to the main branch as well. I think Shadowshine's been doing that as well a little bit, right? Sh Shadowshine has doing a lot, has been doing a lot. Then there's Miraxis, as I said before. So there is potential for people that will push the randomizer forward. And um, obviously when we're talking about 6.1, there's no re reason to not talk about a 7.0 at some point. Um, but yeah, for 7.0, there's a few big projects that probably need to be finished first before it makes sense to talk about it. Like the rework of glitch logic. I don't even dare to talk about the trade re uh, to, to, the trade quest rework. I don't even dare to talk about it. Um, there's still a few things to, to iron out. Um, obviously full ER with everything that, um, Roman has on his branch that is not yet 100% clean should be on the main branch. Then there is something I definitely want to push for, which is a rework of the GUI. Um, not design-wise, design because I think design-wise it's fine, but regarding functionality and ease of use. Mm. Like I want a simple mode for the GUI. Um, just because we need to all remember that the... <laughs> that the majority of OTR players are casual players. Um, so I want a simple mode. Um, so that's something on the agenda for 7.0. But yeah, um, we're still looking for somebody to actively push uh, development forward. 
not just in form of pull requests, but in form of actually actively working on it and bringing their design philosophy in. Um, Is that part of the problem, though? Like, and you know, I've, I'm someone who spoke about sort of OOTR dev a fair bit in the past. Is the design philosophy part of the problem? Because you've basically got what three people with with keys to a car, right? And you're determining whether the fourth person you're going to give a key to is going to drive it just as carefully and just as safely as the other three have been. Don't give me the keys. I'm not a programmer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if that person doesn't exactly fit the bill, they're not going to get another key, right? So there's there's definitely a, a concern, at least from from my side. I, you know, I'm, I'm, this isn't something I've I've heard from other people, but I've not exactly asked them. But my concern, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, Trez, is that it's very difficult to get your ideas over people who already have the mindset of what they want in the game. Um, it's less about what we can do and more about what we should do. And that has benefits because, you know, you don't just add a load of stuff and break things. But it also very much restricts creativity in terms of no, that we shouldn't add this to the game. Don't be silly. It's nothing like Ocarina of Time. And it's like, well, does it need to be? You know, do, do, do you need to stifle creativity just because you want it close to what it was? Can you not add new things that are sure a little bit crazy, but ultimately they're new ideas, you know, and they do keep things fresh. And I'm not saying people are coming up with these ideas every day, and even if they are, they're not all coding them, that's for sure because the coding is a different aspect. But um, yeah, I think my concern is that if someone does come along and their design philosophy isn't the same as those that are already uh, sort of on on the bill, that they're just not going to get welcomed in and maybe move on to something else. So I, I do think that um, the question that you just asked if if we want to keep it basically as close to the original as possible, or if we want to branch out. Um, I think that's the one really important question in this. Um, I doubt well, they say... Yeah, ultimately, that is a, that's the design philosophy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they, they, I think there's more to the design philosophy than that. Um, but that's obviously a very key question. Um, and I'm not sure... I wouldn't even be able to tell what the community as a whole would prefer. I think that's something that a lot of people are very torn on. Um, obviously, nobody has the plan to make OTR indistinguishable. Uh, or, or like, uh, no, make OTR something that doesn't resemble OT at all. I think nobody wants that. Um, but it's... It is obviously a very fine line. Um, I know there's people in the community that just do not want to add anything that hasn't been part of the original game. Um, and I think that's wrong as well. Um, in the past, the design philosophy in regards to that was fairly strict. And I do think with um, the original maintainer slowly moving on that um, that mindset did shift a little and did 
get a little less important. Um, however, I think as a com the, the community as a whole needs to decide how they want to approach this. Obviously, we are still dealing with an open source project. And obviously, somebody will host or maintain or admin this uh, open source project. So that person or that team, however it's looking, um, is in the end in charge of what happens to the code. And I think that right now, we have more of a dialogue in that regard than ever before. As in, not just one person is making design decisions, but more people are talking about it. Um, there's a better dialogue with, with mods than ever before. I'm getting involved more. Um, Zanek, Roman, and TR are talking more openly about it. And mods can just say more about it. Even race mods can give their share. Um, so that's a good way to find the right balance, I think. Um, in the past few months, I have not stumbled across a certain completely non-OT vanilla-like suggestion that was serious enough to be considered. I'm not sure if I'm missing something, but so far nothing really comes to mind. Um, obviously, there's big projects like uh, Rob casually rewriting half of Lichless Logic um, that have like more higher priority than that. Um, but yeah, I'm, <sighs> the debate about do we want to add things that have not been part of OT is one that should be solved at some point. Um, I think it's a little hard to do this without having a concrete example where that would be the case. Because just scrolling through the open pull requests right now, I don't think there's anything in there, for example, that does. No, but, you know, and again, so this is something we spoke about before. Pull requests are different beasts than just suggestions, right? Because you've got people that suggest a good idea or a bad idea. Um, and then you've got the people who actually have the time and know how to put those things into the game, right? I can come up with an amazing idea. Everyone might love it, but I can't code for shit. So ain't nothing going into a PR. Um, Wait, so, you can't you know, code for shit? No. Wait, there. I isn't there an open pull request from you? There's a bug. Oh yeah, let me close this. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a bug I put in. Um, I'm not sure if I put anything else in, but <laughs> but yeah, but no. I know what you're talking about. But yeah, ultimately, people's good ideas aren't necessarily people's implementation because you still need active devs to say, yeah, that's a cool idea. I'll work on that. You know, if so, and the next best idea might come up tomorrow. But if no one can work on it and that person's not a coder, then it goes nowhere. And that's its own that's its own discussion and, and question. Like, does should does dev suggestions get enough priority and whatever? But ultimately, you can't really force people to work on something else. Um, if if they really like an idea, it's up to them if they want to work on it, not up to you. So it's 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 definitely a tough one because I think there've been a lot of good suggestions over the past 
couple of years. Um, not even for like big things, but just like small things, um, which never went anywhere because the person suggesting it doesn't know how to code. Um, and whilst I think recently um, suggestions have got a little better, they definitely, I, I think they were in a fairly bad place a few months ago. And, you know, again, we spoke about this. Um, you know, I think, I think some suggestions sort of waved off as, nah, don't be silly. Or PR it yourself, you know, sort of like bad attitude, ultimately the right answer, but the bad attitude. Um, but yeah, I think um, that's the tough one for me is knowing that someone suggested something good and not having the people to, to want to work on it. And again, you can't force anyone to work on anything, but yeah, there's, there's definitely been good suggestions in the past that have gone nowhere because again, like that person doesn't have the know-how, so it just sort of dies. Yeah, I think that's an issue. Um, the problem is, like you said, um, when somebody brings up a good point or a cool idea, uh, that in itself is a good thing, but them not being able to push it or like bring something to the table that's actually resembling something that can be used in uh, uh, more than an idea brings an issue with it that as you said you cannot force anybody to work on it um dev suggestions is definitely something and i said that earlier that is still flawed um a channel that still uh needs to be more open-minded which is a general idea of what we did in the past year where we try to have people be more open-minded However, um, I have not, I've not found a solution to that yet that fits everybody. Um, obviously the just pull requested is said often, often said in the context that's like, yeah, you're not going to do it. So that's our easiest way to get you off our back. Um, and that's not a good idea because it's just, that's kind of toxic and it's kind of, yeah, put in a way to not encourage people thinking out of the box. And that's something I don't like. The problem is there is no easy solution because as you said, nobody is forced to work on it. Nobody will be forced to work on it. And if you can't bring it yourself, the odds of you getting in something that's different are surprisingly low. Um, the only way to change this is by finding more active maintainers by including contributors in the, uh, in the decision process more. Um, and that's something we should try. Um, the bigger the team that makes the decisions on the repository gets, um, the easier it is to find a new, fresh, um, a new, fresh um, philosophy on how the randomizer should develop. But that's obviously something that you can only do together with the current maintainers. Um, and you need to find people that are actually willing to do that because being an active contributor to a project 
especially a project that doesn't have any financial benefit or a, any financial um, impact on the people that contribute is hard. That's just a sad truth. Um, many talented coders that we have in the community do this for a living and their rule and their amount of time that they can contribute um, is limited. And that's just how it is. So that's actually, in my opinion, one of the biggest challenges that we have to tackle in the next, in the near future. Mm. I guess, oh, I don't know. I'm just like, like brainstorming ideas and solutions. I guess like you couldn't really do a a dev Patreon, could you? It would be a bit of a weird, weird thing because unless you had devs which sort of proved their work, you couldn't really justify. Well, you, could, you could go to OnlyFans, right, and have the development <laughs> farm go through there too. That's that's yeah, just, Oh, just oh, put, they they're not canceling the porn. Okay, okay. Well, just just put the I generator don't. behind OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. the The problem is the problem is that um, you. You can't. You cannot make this entire thing be a paid service thing. Um, besides the fact that this would would get any of us in absolute gigantic legal trouble, um, it's just not how an open source project really works. Yeah. Um, like if I was AA in yeah. that position, and that something like that would be built on top of my code, uh, you know, I don't need to finish the sentence. Um, I that's the problem. I do not really have a solution to that. I know it's something that needs to be changed somehow. Um, and obviously, one of the key aspects of doing something like that is making the code as such more approachable and improving the documentation. Um, good old documentation. Devs and documentation, name a more iconic, I don't want to do this combo. Exactly. Um, but like any other solution, obviously has it has a flaw in an open source, free time only project. So the, the general idea that I have is just to be a lot more open about ideas and their suggestions and also on top um maybe create something i i haven't thought this through so this is just something that has been going through my mind the past few weeks um create something like a looking for dev channel um where you get a bit more space to write a proposal to a feature um, and just try to find some developer who's interested in working with you on that. Um, in 80% of suggestion cases, this will not help. I mean, let's be realistic. But it might give even less, like, uh, like, 
like or more out of the box ideas, um, more of a platform. And that's a goal that's in itself already a good idea. Um, I guess in regards to suggestions themselves, it's something I only thought about like five minutes ago. Um, I know because like way back when they used to just go on a Trello, right? They'd go on like a Trello and sit there yeah. to die. Um, could you not have like a suggestions? Uh, I don't know, almost like a suggestions idea, but like basically the community can sort of upvote them. And in terms of we really like this idea, and you know you've got like some suggestions with like a hundred upvotes, which have reasonable community approval and then you'll have some which just don't go anywhere and it's like okay well no one wants this and then at least you've got some suggestions which have seemingly been backed by the community right so if you've got a thousand upvotes on a suggestion there's probably the impetus for wanting it and a dev might have more desire to to do this if they know that the community is going to get more benefit out of just one thing that someone threw in a discord for five minutes because they happen to think about it what I do th think that it still has a problem of somebody having to do it. Um, so they need to kind of be in the mindset that is that it, it is cool and it is good and something they want to work on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in general, a voting system is not a bad idea. Obviously not. Um, I do think that before you can vote on a certain feature, it does need quite a bit of like flashing out. Uh, sure, but that's that's fine though, right? Because if someone's got an idea, they should be able to flesh it out. And if anything, it saves you again those those people that just come in and throw a random idea against the wall, hoping it sticks. You know, actually think about your idea and what benefits it'll bring. And then, sure, as you say, there is still the pain point of a developer doing it, but that's going to be a pain point regardless, but at least you've got, you know, you've got an idea. And if, if it's an idea that's popular, again, if a dev does like it, they know the benefit that the community is going to get because it's already got some backing. So it's an unavoidable pain point of just putting the work in, but at least it filters out the flack, right? Yeah, it's definitely an idea that we should probably follow up on because there's it's it's clear that we need to do something and it's clear that if we want OTI to keep growing and to keep getting better um there's just stuff that needs to be changed and honestly in any open source project you do not get better by just sticking to your own guns and just ignoring new stuff that's just not how it works um so dev suggestions in a way is the most valuable re valuable valuable resource that we have um and it's criminally underused by now um so finding a concept any concept that does give suggestions a little more room and even a slightly bigger chance of being actually put into action is a good thing um so any concept that we can come up with should be something that should be or is something that should be tried um because in the end there's nothing to lose and a lot to gain with that mm. or we just let emo do all the work
Nope. Nope. No, I can't do everything. Everything <laughs> is. We get the worst things possible every time. I'm the champion of the bad. The 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 real just strong arm of the weak. I am. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Songs on Dungeon Rewards, for example. Exactly, uh, and with that, emo's out of the out of the running. Um, now let's talk about racing and settings. Um, as you know, the Chamber of Sages was dissolved and ultimately replaced with the Race Mods and S4 Tournament Organization Team. Two separate roles. Now, tournament organizers focus solely on planning and running S4, Race mods focus more on the standard rule set and rules enforcement. It's kind of something new that we tried this time, right? Uh, with season four. I mean, I'm not sure. I guess I can input on that a little bit. So it was kind of forced somewhat in terms of what was needed there. The chain of like, I'm, I'm sure Trez, you'll have plenty to say on, on that particular subject, but the chamber of sages kind of both outlived its purpose and was sort of seeing not a lot of pickup and the there was sort of like a force requirement to have a separate thing here especially with the season four org team because it was like well who the hell's actually doing this there was a bit of a, a void i'd say um in regards to organization and in regards to um i guess yeah just who's actually moving forwards with things um and trez do you want to so we'll talk about how that sort of picked up. Sure. So, I mean, we had the the big point when uh, the entire dismantling of the entire staff and the Chamber of, uh, of Sages happened, that we just didn't really have anybody to tackle the big challenges that the competitive scene has, like uh, being the one uh, group to do ruling on certain edge cases, to prepare tournaments, um, especially the main tournament. And so ATC was actually the one that kept pushing for um, the two separate groups, especially first the season four organization team, which was originally like the starting point of the race mod team. And um, it was specifically picked uh, with the idea in mind that it should be a good representation of the uh, of the uh, competitive competitive scene and um that's why there were a few people in there that you just didn't see in any form of position before in otr and it's why it was a closed down group that was actually picked by us by him and me without anybody being able to sign up for it because we wanted to try something and wanted to try how a handpicked group worked and so um, the season four organization team was for a long time wasn't even announced in any form and nobody knew who it was because Annette and me wanted to try out how it works. And uh, in our opinion, it worked really well. Um, and most of them then transitioned to be race mods afterwards um, or be a part of staff in another form. And I think that did work well, and it did replace the vacuum that the chamber left behind in some form. Although there is still things with the race moderation team that is that are still problematic. Um, uh, the biggest example is that again, 
And I guess that kind of is on an ad and me. Um, it wasn't 100% set in stone and 100% defined what the race moderation team is about, what their, uh, what their areas of uh, authority are. And for example, um, when we were first talking about season five organization this year, uh, a, a month back roughly, um, it came out that most race mods didn't know that we were thinking that they would be the next ones to actually set up season five or get it going <laughs> or decide on a group. Surprise. Surprise. Um, while Annette and me were thinking, well, okay, uh, the race moderation team is hands down the one source for race moderation, and it seems like it would be a good idea to let them decide how to tackle season five. At least they th they didn't have to do it, but it was like a an idea for us that they decide how it's going to go down, if a separate organization team is appointed or not. And that kind of caught them off guard, or some of them, because they were thinking, yeah, okay, Tress and Annette are gonna, going to handle it. So that's one of the reasons why we postponed season five a little, which probably would have started by now or in the next few weeks. Just because that needs to be ironed out. And by now, we're pretty much set on the idea that the race moderation team is going to be responsible for season five planning. And I do think that makes sense. Because um, in the end, the main tournaments that we have, in my opinion, are just a big hurrah and a base representation of the standard rule set in its entirety and in its most purest form. And I think if anybody can properly wrap a tournament around that, base it's the race moderation team so in a way they kind of became the old chamber um just a little more focused on the on the actual racing and competitive side of things um they also get more help from the moderation team which is now a lot more separate and even support at times for example with uh topics like making Dolphin race legal, which is basically just an announcement away at this point. Um, and these things, so it's a more, lot more that basically the, the group or like the combination of mods, support and race moderation kind of make up what the uh, chamber was before. And I think that works pretty well. However, um, I gotta say I'm a little jealous of how a link to the past randomizer did this by now which took them a lot of iterations and a lot of redoing it but by now the um council that they have is just this one super big authority that nobody questions that has like an entire rule catalog and like <laughs> almost a constitution below it um that gets adjusted where there is there are rules set in place and stuff and it's like super official and well thought out and that's the kind of thing that i would love not because i need need a lot of rules or anything but it just leaves no doubt about rulings about potential punishments about setup and conception of tournaments and so on so that is something that i kind of envy do you think but, that's potentially a lot more difficult to do in Ocarina of Time because it's a, like you're saying it's like you know this big rule catalog, right? So it's they've listed everything that you can and can't do, which is fairly uh, well. I think that'd be ignorant for me to say simplistic, but it's a two D game, right? So the limitations of what you can and can't do is 
is defined, whereas Ocarina of Time being a 3D game is a lot less clear. So it's not... I mean, you speak to someone like Dotso, how long did it take them to define you know, what, what a clip was and what you know, cylindrical collision did and didn't do to, to clipping? And what the rules behind that was, you know, it took them a long time. And Ocarina of Time is, what, 20, 23 years old. So it's, I think it's, I think it's just probably a little tougher on a 3D game to have something like that. I do, I do agree that it would be great if it existed. Um, and yeah, I think that the, the sort of council idea is, is grand. But again, I guess it goes back to the Chamber of Sages, right? That was kind of supposed to be it wasn't it? It was kind of that iteration of, okay, well, these folks are in charge, but for whatever reason, be it the, the personnel, be it the format, be it the, um, I don't know, sort of remit of what they were tasked to do just didn't, didn't work out. Um, are you not concerned that by essentially making the race mods, the S5 org team, you're essentially making them the chamber part two? And it's just the same thing's going to happen. I I definitely am a little concerned about that. Um, I do think that the uh, the workflow of working together with like the different teams on staff makes us a little less likely. And um, I gotta say that the biggest problem of the chamber was that people mostly went in with their this one concept or this one idea that they wanted to push, and afterwards they kind of lost a little bit of interest. That was one of the big problems of the of the chamber, um, and now it seems a little more like focused on the on the competitive aspect in general in the race mod team. Um, it's also like not set for a fixed period of time, so it's a more and like a more prolonged effort, which can go both ways. However, so I'm not entirely sure. Um, the problem is. That I see the problem that I see with having a separate season five um, organization team is that I'm pretty much convinced that it would probably consist mostly of the same people um, that kind of have the format, but also the skills and the interest and will to volunteer their time to do this, especially at this point in time where the amount of volunteers in general no matter what the actual reason be or is um is pretty low so a a full tournament organization of this magnitude actually is a big time commitment so yeah it's a little it's it's pretty tough honestly um mm. i do think that season 5 in the end will turn out to be a race mode organized tournament and then afterwards, we just need to go back to the drawing board and just see, did this work out? What are the implications? How did this actually influence the race modes? And then actually make decisions from that regarding season six or like the entire next year. We already yeah. talked about this before, about that there's plenty of things that we should tackle as event organizers, be it a rough schedule for the year or like more... Um, talks between the different event organizers to not overlap as much and that kind of stuff. I guess to ask the question then, and I, I know we'll, we'll, we'll speak a lot more about volunteers later, um, but I guess to ask the question, 
is season five undergoing in terms of being with the race mods? I know you said that that's how you want it to go and you don't predict they'll need anyone else's sort of input. So I guess it's it's started because there was a little bit of discussion about wanting to redefine standard a little bit and weeklies, right? And I'm just wondering whether there's crossover now then or whether S5 is coming afterwards. S5 is coming afterwards. So um, we had this conversation actually a couple of weeks ago where we decided what needs to come first. And most of the race mods have voiced their opinion that before we could even think of season five, um, the things that need to be changed and tweaked about standard and weekly process should be set in motion first. So that's what they're going to do or what they have been working on the past few weeks. I knew that the race mods have been uh, have been uh, in meetings twice now the last few weeks and actually are tonight, I believe, as well, um, to tackle that first and to tackle the tweaks to standard that they want to do. And then the next goal is to plan season five. So season five will be a little later than last, than last year. Um, and I'm actually not able to give a time frame yet. My opinion or my hope initially was to do it in October, but that just fell flat for the reasons I just noted. Um, and it will definitely be later this time. Um, to be fair, I'm not in a rush. Um, I'm perfectly fine to have the co-op tournament and maybe the scrubs tournament be over before we tackle season five. Um, cause I mean, who's forcing us to do it ASAP? Um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess there's no one forcing you to do it, but I think there's a lot of expectation of it, right? In terms of from the community side of things. There is, um, although right now I feel like people do feel the tournament burnout a little, like even players. The only concern that I do have, cause it's kind of unfortunate is the leak um because the leak actually paused mostly for the fact that um they were hoping to wait till after season five um and that kind of puts them in a little pickle um so that's a thing that i do pity about this um which is why i still want to get this in motion asap um and have like have like test races and stuff go out as soon as possible to determine CSMC, uh, uh, CSMC and stuff stuff that was on the menu last time that we just said was pushed out changes to standard that we need to test changes to settings that we need to test um, and then stuff about tournament structure that needs to be figured out so there's still quite a bit to do. Um, but I still would love to get season five going before the end of the year. And I do think that's doable and that's likely. Um, but I obviously can't say yet. Okay. And I guess in regards to season four, as we were mentioning, and I guess this is a question to both of you. Um, do you feel that season four was successful in getting the community out of a bit of a rut in terms of its settings and its format. Um, yeah, I think so. The biggest thing is the random spawns. You're just so it's like set in your emotions in the early game for so long that 
a big change like that was, I think, needed to explore the possibility of more radical settings, uh, kind of more in the mainstream of racing. So um, I think it got people thinking about it at the very least. Um, for season four specifically, like balancing changes uh, was, was kind of nice overall, but I don't know. It's just what my general thoughts are about it. What do you think, Chess? Yeah, I think like uh random spawns is like the one thing that was like the best idea ever in my opinion first and foremost i just love to watch it and the audience loves it as well but it also did indeed kill the one big problem i think that season three had which was like the insanely stale early game um and it's also a an additional challenge to the runners um which I always like. Um, oh, sure, easy mode runs, if you want to call them like that, if you want to call them that, are easier to predict and maybe just benefit um, consistency a lot more, but they get stale and they also um, didn't uh, benefit people that are just really good at reading seeds and uh, reading logic. So I think it was a great step in the right direction. There was more stuff like the Vario medallions, which is just interesting, um, and which kind of is a never-ending discussion, just like hints were and still are a never-ending discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think overall, Season 4 was a great step in the right direction with one but. Um some people complained in the uh, in the end and i can get that that season four was more of a luck fest um and was more rng heavy and didn't honor skill raw gameplay skill mechanical skill as much as before so this is a really fine balance between people that think, okay, if we talk about top 30, the top five should, should consistently consistently in 90% of the seats win against the top 30. Um, that's on the one hand. And on the other hand, that's the top 30 that say, okay, this is a randomizer after all. Mechanical skill shouldn't be the sole thing that matters. Um, and this is where season four tried to balance it a little more towards the, uh, bringing the different brackets of player skill closer together. Mm. And for some, actually that might've been a bit too much. Um, and that's actually something that troubles or is something that we think about in regards to season five. It would probably not be a good idea to go further with this. And now we need to see, okay, do we need to balance this back towards the top runners a little more? Or do we just keep it at that balance that we currently have, which is something I think is a good way to do it. But yeah, it's 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 not easy. This is a really fine balance that we're talking. I think one or two settings. Yeah, it's like, honestly, uh, I think this 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 is like like 
the one question that is the most important to the competitive scene right now. How much should you try to cater to mechanical skill? How much should you try to cater to logic reading and understanding skills? And how much of a random element is good for the competitive scene? So if we hit those three questions entirely right, then we have the perfect competitive balance. However, I doubt that's possible. <laughs> so <laughs> there need to be some compromises. Yeah, can we get the Triforce of uh, racing? That's <laughs> yeah, actually a good analogy. Um, there's I obviously. An there's... I threw an off comment to Sponge um, whilst we, I think me and him were just shooting off how we think the season five should go in terms of settings. And I was just like, I think we should just close the bridge and then we've kind of solved all of our problems. And he was like, you know what? I think you're right. <laughs> so maybe maybe there's just something really simple we need to do in terms of tweaking season four to get ideal settings, such as just closing the bridge, put it back on six meds, and then that's it. Happy days. But, you know, that is, that is testing. And that would be very simple of me to suggest that as a, a fix. Um, yeah, let's, I, I uh, think... let's try minimal. Okay, well, I, I, I tried. Trez, I tried. I tried really hard, but email was sabotaging. My idea. <laughs> I mean, there's there's plenty of ideas that you could throw in. I mean, you could also throw an entire curveball and just say, okay, we have a lot more tournaments catered to the mid-card and low-card now. Maybe let's make the main tournament something more advanced. Maybe put in a sanity. Maybe um, consider making hints a lot weaker. Um, there is actually plenty of options here that have not been checked or tested in detail for a main tournament competitive idea concept so far. Um, and that's mostly due to the fact that people react really allergic partially to change or like are really careful to change even the tiniest bit. I mean, back in the day, before season three, we always had these uh, settings uh, votes, remember? Where we just basically asked the community, okay, fill this out. What do you think? Which settings should get in and which settings should, should stay? And before season four or until like after season three, that basically caused the settings to stay the same, except for like stuff like fire area entry and stuff. Um, which is also something that we need to reconsider if we want to bring it back or not. Um, oh God. But yeah, I mean, it's something you need to discuss. It's or like uh, KZ skipping, that kind of stuff. Um, the problem I see is you will not be able to please anybody. That's just out of the question. So there is a point where you need to make a decision. Okay, what is the main target audience in terms of players? What's the main target demographic of players for my tournament, for the main tournament? Do you consider the main tournament still the tournament that anybody needs to be able to compete in? Or do you say, okay, the main tournament is now a more advanced tournament for the top card plus? That's a valid approach. Mm -hmm. If you want to do it, however, that depends. 
because that's a big step. So I, I don't think, know. Yeah, I, th I think um, with league being a thing, I think there is a genuine route you could go down to sort of make that a valid option. Because obviously, league is for everyone, right? It's yeah. There's there's no limit on league. There's the only limit is the players that join. So theoretically, there is always something for every skill set. Um, if league were to sort of continue and rotate in and out um, past its first season, so you could, yeah, you could absolutely be like, well, league exists. If you want your, you know, if you, if everyone wants competition, they can join the league. The league rotates every three months. You know, starts starts a new season every three months or something like that. Um, and then, as you say, yeah, main tournament is advanced, um, and it's not aiming towards the lower sort of tiered runners anymore. And I think that would be fine, but it would be a bitter pill for a lot of people. I think um, there'd be a, there'd be a reasonable portion of people that would be like, well. League's one thing, but a tournament is just a different beast, right? So I think um, as much as I'd be for that, and ironically, as someone who probably never even get close to winning something like that, I'd still be quite for that. I do think it would be a very difficult discussion to be had. And I think things like the Challenge Cup would need to be different and you know, a whole host of things. But no, I think there's merit to it. And I'd be, I'd be interested to see what sort of road that would take. Because um, I think I think there's um, one thing I've always wanted, and I guess I guess it kind of exists, but not strictly. Is just advanced logic, because right now logic is built for, and obviously I'm not pinpointing anyone here, but it's built for the dumbest of people to never get stuck and always just be able to do things as long as they know where all the checks are. And something I've always wanted is advanced logic of. The game has written the logic to end it sort of to people that aren't stupid and that aren't going to soft lock themselves out of Water Temple or Spirit Temple or GTG Maze and stuff like that. Um, I think it would be one hell of an undertaking, but I think that would make a really interesting tournament setting where the logic is specifically quite difficult. But that's kind of the point. Um, and I think that'd be really good, but I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that would ever be a thing. Um, or if anyone could even program that logic, because it'd be one hell of a task. Yeah, like, it's simple, like uh, put on key sanity plus uh, SGL settings or something like that. Just as like a base, <laughs> seeing how that goes for that tournament, trying out key sanity for the first time. Yeah, for example, I'm actually not opposed to that at all. Um, there's other communities or other randomizers that did interesting takes on stuff. Um, for example, the Minish Cap randomizer just did a variety tournament where the settings changed every round of brackets, um, <laughs> which is a lot of work and kind of crazy. And I kind of hated it at some time just because it's so unbelievably hard to maintain and balance, and all balance out. Um, but also then again, to be fair, if you think about it from that angle, if you have variety settings and change them around every single week, the one that wins the tournament is by no means, it is 
absolutely and undoubtedly the best OTR player we have right now. Um, on average, of course. Um, so that's kind of a, a route that is crazy and probably we're not ready for it, but it's absolutely an interesting take. It's fascinating. So there is race to stir this up to make this even more crazy and without completely sacrificing competitive integrity. Because um, if you announce these settings in advance per round, um, anybody has a chance to prepare. But that's a big deal. And that's some one thing I actually pity. Our competitive community is really touchy. I mean, no joke. Um, we have uh, many people in the competitive scene in OTR that hate change and that are mostly focused on their personal results than the growth of the competitive scene. And that's okay because it's not their job and it's not their duty to care about it. But it's obviously hard to push new change through these people because we obviously want to keep them around and they are big assets of the community. Um, and that's why I do actually wonder if it makes sense to just push it, to just do it and to just ask them to try it out before fighting against it. Well, I guess I mean, my, my, my thought on that is like, I feel like 5% of the community have 95% of the opinions, yeah. if that makes sense, because there are, a, there are a lot of people that would be perfectly fine with that and wouldn't raise any concerns. But I feel that the minority are the people that speak the most. Um, you are 100% correct. Yeah. Sometimes to, to, for good reason, sometimes for bad reasons. If there's a saying that one particular person doesn't like, and they're very outspoken, then they're going to speak the most about it. And a lot of people will think like that person because they're the one speaking about it. Um, and I, I, I guess that's kind of why season four was a success in a way. And you've already mentioned this, but in a sense, it was like, does the community actually know what they want? And if they don't, should we just do it for them anyway? Which is where a lot of the settings from season four came in. You know, it was like, well, we don't know if people are going to like this, but they're not going to know either. And if we ask them, they still wouldn't know. So let's just try it. And I think there needs to be that sort of balance with all things. You know, it's like, well, there are certain things that people just don't like and that's okay. But if we spend six months trying to work out if everyone likes this one thing, will we even get an answer? So why not just try it? Yeah. I think that needs to happen more. There is a concept that I actually haven't even shared with the race mode yet. So this is a Gossip Stone podcast exclusive. Okay. Oh, damn. Whoa. Um, just saying. So this is not a new concept. It has been used in, again, a link to the past randomizer before. Um, and it was really fascinating a few years back. Um, so in brackets, there was a pool of like six or seven settings combinations, like, like presets that were made that consisted of certain settings. There was like a season, for example, 
There was a season three settings preset. There was a season four settings preset. There was a low sanity preset or with key sanity or maybe with scrub sanity or something. Uh, and then like six or seven presets. And then every single runner could ban two. And um, that's that's when uh, or, or, uh, when like, the fast runner was completely best of three. So it was a little easier. So the remaining two um, from the remaining three, uh, each runner picked one. And then the remaining one was the third one. Um, so that's actually an option. Um, that's a lot more maintaining and it's a lot more administration for the tournament, but obviously it's something that can be considered. It's also insanely fun because people get to usually play what they feel like playing, which makes a tournament incredibly more motivating. Um, and it brings a lot of variety and it brings people having to prepare more, but that's an, again, a really massive change. I still like this. I think it's uh, like ALTTPR actually abandoned that idea because people didn't feel like it. I think in a community where people fear that the usual competitive settings are getting stale, it's the perfect thing. It also brings another layer of skill if you want to with like finding the perfect balance between the settings that you want to give away that you can play and that you want to prepare for um so i think that's really interesting um especially this wasn't picked uh on the day but it was picked like a few days in advance when you actually scheduled so you could prepare for it i guess really it's kind cool. of like the multi world draft things right pretty much yeah yeah which is I know I know a lot of people who enjoyed that. Um, I was I was a big fan. Um, I think uh, I guess my only comment on that is that, and, and again this comes down to the top players, the top tiered players, is that a lot of the time the top tiered players would just go with the default and to try and keep it as default as possible, whereas the lower tier players such as myself would choose the spiciest combinations because they are the funnest. And you had that sort of split between lower tiers having a good time and upper tiers having a very serious competitive time <laughs> with the settings that they were all used to. Um, yeah. So I was I was a fan of that format, but I do feel that it it suffered somewhat from. Um, uh, I guess you kind of already yeah. It's just always limited. Yeah. Well, well, I'm not even sure if it's limits. I think it's just people's own comfort zone when you're a top tier runner you don't want to want to lose right you want to you always want to win and if you want to win you're going to keep with what you know so it's more just well we're not going to pick anything crazy because we're not you know we really want to win this we don't really care about fun we just want to win and compete and i think uh the, the lower the lower you went in that tournament in terms of the swiss rounds um the more you'd see the best races and most entertaining um, settings would be the people that are already out of the tournament because <laughs> they wouldn't really care. They just want a fun time. So it's going to be hard right. to convince the most competitive players to, to do something like that. I think that's true. 
Now, it is a question of like qualifiers and like how those should be handled because you could even change the format surrounding that. So, like, for example, if you use that like as a two picks, two bands kind of thing in, in the draft, or not in the draft, but in the, uh, in the bracket, and you have like players going head to head, what if they have like all the same picks in like different bands? Like, it, it's interesting for sure, but uh, the qualifiers I think could definitely need a facelift. If you, if you go that route and one, one way you could do it is kind of how the rsl rated asyncs were set up where you run the qualifiers just as asyncs you could just like release them weekly right or maybe once every three days there's a new one and you can do it but it adds to your total etc um and each like maybe each one has a different setting and it's not announced what it is for example you could do it like that then you have the problem of like, oh, okay, Johnny tells Billy that it was Scrubs this week, so now he's more prepared. So that I don't know. There's there's a give and take to that, but it's definitely an idea that you could use. And I don't know if like live qualifiers, while they're exciting, I don't know if it's the best for the competitive scene. Oh, like I love having, live like, calls. I hate it. I hate them. I absolutely love live <laughs> calls. Like, not participating. I think participating in them is horrendous. <laughs> but right, a, but that's only because I'm bad, and every time I see, every time I join a live call, I'm nervous already because people get to see my performance, and then sometimes they'll be like, "Hey, do you want to be on restream?" And I'll be like, "Oh no!" Even more people get to see my performance, and <laughs> there's just that element of it being very visible of how you performed, as opposed to doing an async where you can kind of keep that to yourself. Um, but as a viewer. There's nothing better than a live call. You know, it, it's it's the peak for me. It's the absolute peak of OOTR race viewing. It's live calls. And I think... Actually, I, I think if you get the rated async system down where it's like you press a button, you have to go live, you have to start it by a specific time, and then once you like submit it, you have to do that within a certain time where you get a penalty. So, like... Just that system is just so clean for a runner. Like you could do a mix of live and um, asyncs. I mean, we've seen with the Scrubs tournament that that's definitely possible. It requires a lot of uh, work, but as long as you have the system in place, that's the biggest thing. Um, I don't know. What, what, what do you think about that? I I do think that it has some issues regarding legitimacy. Um, yeah. That's. It requires a lot of trust to work mm. and a lot of people playing fair. And while I would love to say that our community can be trusted in that way, the past has proven me wrong so many times that I would be die, I would die on this hill if I said that was the case. Um, so that's actually my biggest problem with, in general, asyncs as a method of qualification for any kind of tournament. Because um, it ups the possibility of cheating and simplifies cheating so heavily that <sighs> I do wonder if it's worth the hassle. Especially since a main tournament historically has people more eager to play as well and has more incentive to play as well um, just because it gets more exposure. Well, there's basically been one person banned per season, right? At, At least. least, yeah. Yeah, so you've got to think that 
that's just people that have been caught. And if you if you open that up even further, like you say, you, you do risk the possibility of more people, not necessarily, I don't know how to say it, but like there'll be some people that are more tempted to cheat. And they won't necessarily cheat, and there are there are I'm sure there are plenty of people that have thought about it and be like, no, I'll be a good guy and not cheat. But when there's more temptation. And if people are annoyed that not, oh, these races aren't going well and I'm annoyed, I just want one race to go right. And then all of a sudden the opportunity comes along to do a, an offline async and their buddy can do it first so they can get some notes and whatever. It's like, well, it's just so, as you say, a very simplified way of, of cheating. And history has shown that someone's going to cheat every season. You know, it's just a matter of fact. And you need to do what you can to prevent that or at least limit uh, the numbers somewhat. Yeah, and I just don't see how you would combine the two concepts of making cheating harder in general and adding something that's not life. I just, as long as we do not have any kind of server-side like validation of somebody playing a seed, which is probably not going to happen for years just because how how complex it is and because of the problems that it has. I think I talked about this last time I was on a podcast. Um, it's just a big risk to take. And following that, especially the absolute top players have a history of being more suspicious of not absolute high card players placing well it has the potential of creating a lot of issues and mistrust and accusations even if for no reason uh, or unwarranted that I just don't think is good for us I think it's also something that Scrubs has been dealing with um <laughs> In both directions, actually, there was this uh, discussion about people saying that Scrubs was catering the the, uh, the seats to make sure oh, that the seats are absolute garbage. So amazing! That's one of the best tinfoil hat theories I've ever heard. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I actually, why on earth would they do that? That's actually something I I could talk about just because I was heavily involved in this and I had like a conversation. With the person that brought it up and wow well that that was a conversation and a half um just with the person basically uh getting into a, a discussion with me saying nothing i say plays any role and nothing i say will convince them and then just throwing a tantrum and leaving all uh otr related stuff so uh, tinfoil hats are strong just gotta say like keeps the head warm makes your brain go whoosh i guess easy to, easy yeah, to put on we're on to you trez <laughs> <laughs> It was me. I supplied the scrub seeds. I made them as bad as possible. So, <laughs> like, 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 I actually, I mean, that was that was just outstanding. Like, 
the fact that somebody would actually go this far uh, and then say, okay, they they were like, okay, I they were uh, they went as far as saying that I supplied Scrubs with a an API with an, a hidden API that only has a a specific contingent of seeds that are explicitly terrible that they could roll seeds from and uh -huh. that race time <laughs> random bot would detect their names and then only give them seeds from that pool incredible so you took your box of nasty things and you made the scrums pull out of the box of nasty things and that's how they got their seeds you know what the problem is with that idea I'm not good enough at OTR to determine if a seed is that yeah. terrible or not. <laughs> See, there you go. So what you're saying, it was Cubs. He's not good enough either. <laughs> oh, wow. That's why Trez has to be bad. Trez has to be bad at the game, guys. You don't understand. That's, that's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm bad for a multitude of reasons at that game, but the, it's, a, it's a choice that I made back in the day when I decided to get so involved that I said, okay, I think somebody that is administrating and hosting the website and having access to all seats and that kind of stuff is somebody that cannot be actively racing because mm -hmm. it would just be so suspicious and create so many questions and just make people so afraid that there was some foul play that I just needed to make that decision. And it's the reason why I never got into competitive OTR. Besides me just hating OT. Um, <laughs> not to watch and not as a as a whole, but just I'm a Twilight Princess speedrunner. I like a good camera, okay? Twilight Princess That was a game? Twilight Princess? Yo, Jim, can we swap out the co-host? Is that possible? <laughs> I mean, technically, I'm the co-host, so I'm not it's sure. one of the bottom-selling games for Zelda. I don't know. I don't remember it, but um, that's pretty cool. TP wasn't a bottom-seller. <laughs> Please. <laughs> what, what is actually the bottom-seller? Four Sword Adventures. Not because it's a bad game, but just because the GameCube multiplayer, online multiplayer was bad. Oh, yeah. Um... Then Triforce Heroes, just because Triforce Heroes. No one wanted. We we actually have Triforce Heroes as the second to last run in ZSRM this year. Amazing. <laughs> okay, I pulled up the list. I pulled up the list. Uh, so the top four, uh, four Minish Cap, only one point seven six million. Units sold. It's that's a such lot. a that's such a pity. That game is so good. It's good. It's definitely a little bit weird, but it's its own thing. Number three, Triforce Heroes. Uh, yeah, no one asked for this game, but it came out anyway, and uh, it's uh, it's there anyway. <laughs> yeah. Then number, number two is probably TPH, TPHD, probably yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. For Wii U, um, I think some people might use it as a coaster now as the, for the disc, or, or you just need the Wii U doorstop. You can do many things. It's an anti-burglar device. You can beat someone to death with your <laughs> Wii U. That's, you know. And number one, definitely Four Swords Adventures, the weirdest Zelda game. 
Did she ever play? Oh, that's probably not though. That's probably not, not, not true. But one of like, the like niche, very very niche. Like it's the funny part is FSA was actually Zelda at its core. That was such a great game. Just got mm. super destroyed by the fact that Nintendo always sold it as like a co-op game when it had a beautiful single player. And that the actual co-op just didn't work well. Um, mm. That poor game actually got shit-handed so hard by Nintendo. It's so sad. Because I love that game. Like, playing it yeah, like, is so fun. Or even like a sequel for it. I'm sure it would do way better now. Well, it was like, already yeah, a sequel, it. wasn't it? Oh, sh- well, sure, but... <laughs> Yeah, Link to the Past and Four Swords uh, is number seven. Seven worst. And Majora's Mask is not too far behind that. It's not too surprising to see. Number one, of course, Breath of the Wild by far. Then number two is yeah. Twilight Princess. Number three is I told- No, wait. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure OT sold more than TP. If you count all the platforms, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's just counting only the original. Yeah. But anyway. But yeah, TP as an individual game sold incredibly well. Especially in comparison to like Wind Waker. It sold like double what Wind Waker sold. Yeah, it's crazy to think about too. Good game. Good speedrun too. Just hard. Now, how is the relationship between the main Discord and the foreign language communities? So that's a hard question. Um, it's a it's a challenging a challenging relationship. That's probably a good way to put it. Um, there's I mean there is uh, a different answer to this regarding the different communities. For example, the Brazilian and Spanish communities um, both have basically a non-existing relationship between it to the main discord mostly because they're just not very involved there they uh, do their own tournaments they do their own uh, settings they have their own takes on rule sets and rules in general um and that obviously makes the communication and relationship not super simple um and i think they are really keen on having this individuality and like their own authority um, there were actually uh, there was actually a point where a member from the Brazilian community, I believe, asked me to be added as a race mod on Race MGG and change the settings. Um, and while I obviously had to re- reject that, um, it kind of shows how individual they are. They are basically their own OTR community, um, and that's something that i pity because i think it could be a lot cooler to basically have them a little more integrated even though if we cannot really <sighs> create as much content for them as we do for english for example um but it would be cool but it's just i something i don't think they are really interested in and it's not something i'm particularly invested in just because the main community already uh, is so much to handle that it's just not really in the cards. The French community, on the other hand, is a lot more involved, is a lot more active, but 
does have a tendency to also be mostly focused on their own, on French community first. And um, it's a tendency that I think is getting stronger lately. Um, it's, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not entirely sure to put it. I think this is something that most communities across all games see happening. And it's just something that... Um, that probably has to do with culture and probably um, their under like their idea of being French, which is just a a really strong feeling and a really strong self self conception of being the strong a strong nation and a strong community. Um, that does bring their desire to just be a little more individual and have their own stuff and have their own tournaments and make decisions on their own. Um, and it is a little complicated, or not just a little, it can be really tough at times, um, especially since um, there is the language barrier, where some people just are not as strong in English. I'm not as strong in France. Uh, in uh, in French, I do speak some French, but that's it. Um, and it's getting worse by the minute. Um, but that that's really really tough to balance out because we want to give them their 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 own authority, and they should do their own things, and they should be able to live and uh, live out their ideas as a French community or as a non-English community, but we obviously still want to have a unified community. We still want to work together. We want to not split up the community because why? We just want to benefit all from each other and push everybody forward. Um, but that it's, it's, it's not easy. It's actually one of the questions that I think about a lot. Because um, I know that it's hard as the non-main language in the community to find your footing and to uh, find the attention that you deserve. And it's impossible for me to maintain that for every single language uh, or every single community in terms of language that there is. Um, so I'd love for, for people to just step up and say, okay, here is what we want to do as a separate community and here's where we'd like to work together with the main community as i think that's something that kind of needs to come from these side communities because in general i just need to think or or i have the mindset okay everybody that is playing ontr wants to be a part of the overall community and if that's not the case or if they if you want to separate yourself in some key aspects i need to know that but it will be pretty much impossible for me to find out without being told. So that's a big challenge, a big part, a big problem um, at times, and sometimes just something that's unfortunate um, and something that you cannot just solve if you want. It's a constant development. It's a constant need to communicate and to talk and to figure something out that works for everybody. Um, and sometimes I would wish there was a little, uh, there would be a little more communication. Um, that's just one of my pain points. Uh, and I hope that changes 
in the future, maybe with people hearing this, they consider to just hit me up more or hit us up more and try to just find solutions together. Because foreign languages or foreign cultures having their own community, hey, be my guest. But let's not separate. Let's not have a big cut between the main English community and everybody else because nobody wants that. I mean, part of being in a speedrunning or generally global gaming community is the global aspect and enjoying your time and your hobby together with people from all over the world. And losing that is actually something that would take a lot of the thrill, a lot of the excitement away, I think. So if possible, it would be a great thing if we just found a way to make this easier and have more, as I said, communication between each other. I'm talking a lot today. Is that? Yeah, that's good. No, it's that's good. fine. That's why you're on here, Tris. <laughs> yeah. Featuring Tresco. <laughs> you're mm. so lazy. Jesus. Featuring a little bit of Tresco. Don't forget to drink some water, Tres. Make sure you get your throat. Um, Staying hydrated. With water. I guess in that regard, like, <laughs> I guess part of the reason why you're probably speaking so much on that topic is because me and Emo are probably so far away from understanding those communities and those topics, and, and, and especially in regards to, you know, I don't speak a lick of French or Spanish or Brazilian. Um, so needless to say, I'm not involved in any of those things. For me, I find it kind of difficult to understand why a language barrier would prevent so much communication but then also it's like very simplistic right that's if you can't speak english communicating and participating in english hosted events would be very difficult you know and you'd essentially need a translator present for anything major that happened including live qualifiers and all sorts so logistically it would be tough i can understand why people wouldn't want to do that but not speaking a second language i also can't really add much in, in terms of the reasons for either side of that yeah, yeah totally fine i mean i when the guests talk more i tend to stand away and let them talk <laughs> unless i want it to go in a certain direction then i'll say something but i think it's been great so far I've just been muting a lot because I've been farting my ass off. But wow, okay. Very gassy today. Yeah, I'm like... Probably because I had, like, I think two or three muffins yesterday. But like, oh. Anyway. I'm, I'm trying hard to stay hydrated in general because I'm on a rather strict diet for the past week because I'm trying to oh. lose some pounds. So... Okay. Nice. And I'm like... It's 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 rough. I'm not gonna lie, cause I hit the brakes hard. Like, I've been mm. replacing I've been replacing a full meal a day with just a shake, like just some some replacement shake, and basically mm. skipping breakfast and just eating lunch. And it's, <laughs> yeah. So I'm drinking a lot. The the wait until lunch is pr the, like the worst part, but I feel like. The... 
Yeah, but I I want to lose like, like I a don't lot. know. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to lose like thirty pounds, so it's like. Oh dang! Yeah, I want to lose like ten. But <laughs> I mean, ding. Yeah, I just stopped drinking, so uh, I'm not doing that for now. Seeing how it goes. Now, Trez, you've mentioned that our volunteer pool for Ocarina of Time randomizer, it's it's fairly small. So what is the current state of the volunteer pool? So in general, I think uh, not just in OTR, but in most, yeah, not just even randomizers, but most games, um, the numbers of volunteers just dropped. And to be fair, that's really not surprising. I mean... People were just stuck at home for the better of the past 18 months um, and had not much else to do but sitting at home and trying things and were doing things and volunteering was a really fulfilling way to do this. Because, I mean, even if it can be stressful at times, it is a fulfilling thing for you if you enjoy it. But ever since stuff opened up again for good or for, yeah, I mean, not our place to com comment on that here. Um, the numbers have dropped and OTR currently in its current volunteer state is just not ready for season five. Um, <sighs> that's actually something I just can say without a doubt. Um, the amount of volunteers is shockingly low right now. If we had more than 10 or 12 active commentators, I think that would be much. For trackers, it might be like 20, um, which is like the lowest numbers ever since season one, probably, I want to say. Um, we had a lot of weekly restreams that just had to be canceled lately or just have been running with two races instead of four, just because it was the only way to bring them on. And that's basically something in our entire history of like almost four years of OTR that we basically never had to worry about. Um, you also, you don't just see the volunteer numbers, you also see it in like racer numbers. The weeklies have been fairly small lately. Um, it's just often not people's main priority right now to play games or to participate in gaming. And... That's something that we need to change before season five. Um, it's, I mean, people hope to cover as much of season five as possible. So far, we had basically a all races are covered um, idea concept, whatever. And currently, that's just not in the cards. So I'm hoping to put out a few more commentator and um, tracker um, sign up announcements again in the, in the near future and then hope for the best um statistically and from experience people come back for the main tournament that's something that keeps happening yeah i was still... going to say like traditionally whenever a new tournament especially a main tournament starts people come flocking back because it's where the excitement is and you know as someone who hasn't you know and f feel free to to punish me this if you want to, Trez. As someone who hasn't commented commentated on a weekly for God knows how long, a year and a half, maybe. Um it's because there's no there's no stakes. Right? There's no there's no 
the winner of the weekly is just the winner of the weekly. And then next week is just the next winner of the weekly. Whereas yeah. when it comes to tournaments, you know, they mean something. And each match means something. There's the winner of a qualifier suddenly gets a thousand points. The best person on the restream has the best chance of making top 32. And, you know, the winner of a bracket race moves forward. The loser of a bracket race might go. And there's just so much more at stake that there's a lot more to get excited about. And especially for commentators that thrive off hype and like are super energetic. Um, and to use Kuiper as an example, Kuiper is an amazing commentator when it comes to just hype moments and really raising things up during uh, tense scenarios. And someone that I hope comes back for season five in a, in a bigger, bigger role. But ultimately, it's tough to get that hyped for just another weekly. And I think that's, I'm, I'm almost certain that we'd probably triple the active commentators when, when the new tournament starts, just because so many more people want to, to jump in. Um, likewise for, tr well, I say likewise for trackers. I don't really know for trackers. It's a tough one to sort of, there will still be more people that come back, but I also think that as someone who's never tracked, I don't quite know the appeal of tracking. So I don't know what people come back for, if that makes sense. So I'm not quite, uh, you know, maybe need to work out what that might be. But I think for commentators, I think it would be, it should be fine, I predict, for, for season five. Yeah, that excitement you were talking about, I think League really thrived uh, with that as well. But that's also exactly why the League uh, organization team themselves, that, that's why they want to not overlap as well. Because they, they see that volunteer kind of uh, strain, if, if you will. So I think uh, that was definitely a good outlet and de definitely a good direction. More more things that I think different commentators can uh, volunteer for is good, but it does spread out and um, make the weekly restream teams a little bit weaker on average. Um, I mean, I just did another one today, so <laughs> yeah, I I do about like maybe once every month, uh, and then, like sometimes I'll just get really bored and just do every a lot of um weeklies but um they're just something nice that it to get back to the community for me so it, i always enjoy doing them but it, it's hard to you know get that excitement like you're you're saying kind of behind it sometimes it's pretty boring but you know it can't always be exciting <laughs> no matter no matter what it is um so as, as far as the volunteer pool um, kind of covered how the side communities and tournaments affect the volunteer pool, but um, how can we like overall balance the demand for events with a limited volunteer pool? What are, what are some ways that we can do that going forward? So I guess we have talked about this earlier that it's really hard to keep a steady volunteer team that is motivated and not burned out if you have basically no downtime in tournament or race, uh, meaningful race coverage over the year. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really fine line between not having uh, volunteers, burnout, and races be bored. Um, 
And I think this year we basically just really focused on the racers not being bored and well, the volunteers kind of had to try to push through and some just didn't make it because it was so much. Um, so having downtimes in the coverage or just saying, okay, um, this is probably something that we just not restream and basically just force on the racing um, is really important. Um, I mean, there's also another, uh, some positions, however, that just do not have that option, like for example, race monitors or restreamers, um, which kind of sometimes do the same thing. Um, cause oftentimes race monitors are also restreamers for one of the platforms. Right. Um, they do not have that luxury and just need to push through. And I think race monitoring in general is also one of the big topics right now behind the scenes where people try to find out how to make this less of a strain by rethinking how FPA is done or stuff as well. I'll say so far working pretty well for co-op, the um, sort of self officiating as, as I guess it is at the moment with race monitors only being there for restreams and, and even then it's not, super necessary i think right now it's actually gone really well in regards to uh coordinating their own fpas understanding what they need to do when they get one and just not necessarily needing one so there is potentially a world where race monitors aren't as necessary as they were before with just clearer rules and clearer instructions and i dare say there'll always be some cases that come up but ultimately i think it's been uh, a big success. That's very fair. Yeah, who came up with those? Was that Zopar? Or? Yeah, it's primar- primarily Zopar, yeah. And I think he's done a really good job with just sort of explaining to people why and how they need to do things. And yeah, so far, I think it's I think it's been really good and should help alleviate some um, volunteer strain, which is excellent. Because yeah, a lot of the same points and why that FBA developed in the first place came from random settings league. And cause we have a very <laughs> limited volunteer pool. It's usually the same commentators, same trackers, that kind of thing. So, uh, and for this most recent, uh, season, season, uh, three, yeah. Season three RSL, uh, we made sure to only restream like the last, like basically three rounds. So, I think eight or so games were only restreams, plus maybe a few in the beginning. But I don't know. I think that approach is actually pretty healthy for the community. And we had no problems filling out most of the uh, the restreams. Some of them were a little bit wonky schedule-wise. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, shout-outs to the fucking 6 a.m. <laughs> BST Rob versus Melrose match. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. What, what time Great. Only Rob. Um, I guess to to throw something else into this discussion, because I think it's quite relevant in terms of, you know, real world state, right? There's never been a position where people have been locked indoors so hard. And for gamers, it doesn't really change too much. So last year we saw, you know, essentially 
the status quo go. And if anything, we saw more people coming towards the rando and more volunteers applying and, and stuff like that because everyone was locked indoors, so they had nothing to do. But even though for a lot of people nothing changed in that regard, now that you know things have reopened again and people can go see whoever they want to, people are more aware of that not quite, you know, they've maybe taken that for granted a little bit. And there are people not willing to be as sort of stuck inside anymore, even if they were before uh, COVID. And I think now it's like, well, some people have got maybe a different grasp on their own personal time and their mindsets. And, you know, they're getting older and it's like, oh shit, I should probably go out more and, <laughs> you know, spend more time with folks and can't make up for lost time. So I think that is also an aspect of why volunteers have been down and why races have been down and essentially everything. Um, I think that aspect is quite important and it's only natural that I think that's going to happen. There's nothing we can do about that. It's just, you know, people want to go out more and, you know, <laughs> we can hardly yeah. convince them to stay in. So I think, I think there'll be an element of that sort of catching up and slowing down when people are, okay, well, things are back to normal now. I've seen everyone I was going to see over the past year and a half back to back to how it was. Um, but I think that has played a, a big factor in, in numbers for the entire community. In some ways, this year has been more uncertain than 2020, but it, it's, it's almost like the uncertainty is just like kind of staying right? for, the, for some, you know, depends on where you are really now, but from this year, but regardless, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward. And I think uh, well, those are definitely ways that we can kind of help mitigate you know, the problems that we're currently having with it. I think a, a big part of that is probably just fostering a, a great attitude with the community too, is I think a, a big sticking point and something to make sure that people don't get burned out on is uh, easier said than done for sure. But... Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, attitude is one part having the volunteer solution or the volunteer position that you're filling out be at least to some extent as rewarding as possible or as positive as possible. Um, that's another part that you can try to work or that one can try to work on. And then also just trying to not overwhelm volunteers. Um, working on the FBA is a good way to do it. Trying to maybe put the races first and the restream second um, is a good way to do it. Because, I mean, I feel that burnout on the restreamers as well a lot. Um, and then third, maybe trying out different ways to, like, lower um, volunteer burnout. Maybe try to have a have a shift system which is especially for commentating it's really hard and really tough but it's something that can be tried it's something that can be tested there is plenty of ways to just try to change something um but i mean it's not like we're in a situation where we're completely screwed that's not the case luckily um 
like like we need to take immediate action and try to find the best solution as soon as possible luckily not um i think we have some time to evaluate together with the volunteers what needs to be done and what should be done and i think for example the fpa stuff is a great step in the right direction uh, and i'm glad that sopa pushed for this and brought a new fpa up in general with the event organizers and stuff um and that concept should probably be like ported over to general volunteering if we can find similar solutions i think it'd be tough to to fill the void of other roles i think it's very specific to race monitoring unless you come up with you know restream bot <laughs> <laughs> Automatic this restream is hosting. restream bots here is your stream <laughs> it is now online exactly um, i mean i mean we the zsr is, do already yeah. yeah zsr setup is as close as possible to this um basically yeah, the only the only two things that really need to be done manually at this point is just the intro and the outro uh, but um yeah um it also I mean, like, for example, our setup is perfectly capable of automating the entire restream. Um, so speed gamings, for example. The problem I have with that is that it makes stuff stale and unpersonal. And yeah, it's very something, soulless. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's just something I do not want. Um, so that's the that's a big issue with that one. Um, what are your goals, Trez, for community and, and as a whole? So for the community, I really just want to continue the trend of uh, growing together as a unit. Um, we talked about it before, about the uh, communities in other languages and the side communities. And um, I still want everybody to feel like we are one united OTR community and that we can work together and figure out stuff together and that we can basically find a footing that works for everybody. That's not just focused on the main discord, but that everybody feels okay and good with. Um, and that's why I keep saying, if you have any input for me, my door is always open in form of a weird discord client, um, box in dark mode i hope light mode users cannot message me um light mode discord yes thing? yeah it is and i actually know somebody from my staff from support team that does use light mode discord and i think i, it's say, I only knew it exists because tom uses it <laughs> yeah and it's it's like that should actually be forbidden like this is a a criminal offense to me anyways uh, anyways uh yeah, I think this is just a great community. Um, there's a few goals that I just have in 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 my head in general, like bringing out a good version six one and just creating a roadmap for seven zero that is a little more public, a little more open, and maybe even allows for stuff to be thought out of the box. Um, with that comes the search of more active maintainers for the repository, um, then. Bringing out Multiworld 2.0. Um, I had so much fun writing the community news update post a few weeks ago and the 
feedback on that was just beautiful. So I want to do this more often and hopefully next time talk a bit more about MWTO. Um, what else do I want to do? I guess uh, find our footing as staff a little more, especially now that uh, stuff kind of settled in and and that is taking a step back and that kind of stuff to just keep working and keep improving as staff because there's still plenty to do. Um, and yeah, I think that's already plenty of goals for the community for the next year. Um, I mean, season five is an obvious goal for a competitive uh Season five, finding a few changes in standard that need to be done. Um, maybe doing a little main tournament, scopey like out of the box, different settings tournament, similar to how SG Live does it right now. Um, that would be cool. Having something with Multiroad 2.0 would be cool. Um, and. Also, maybe do another, this is kind of bringing together a community and competitive scene, doing another charity event, uh, but on a more competitive base where like competitive players play um, maybe some King of the Hill stuff or something with a charity background. I'd enjoy that. Um, so, yeah. What, winner, winner stays on. One, winner piece stay on. One, one Piece Triforce Hunt tournament, winner stays on. Pog. Oh. Loser, loser has to donate 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> huh. For every minute you don't find the Triforce piece, it's, uh, it's $1. Oh, oh boy. That, that could be really expensive. That will do it for us on the podcast this week. Thank you so much to Trez C. Obama for um, <laughs> joining us here in his rando address. What? How does this even happen? <laughs> like it just, it just, it's, it's, it's. Got to put my tinfoil hat on again, right here. So it's my. We've just been kind of having a nice conversation with Trez here. Just, you know, he's having his rando address. He's off the podium. He's making these good points. We're all like clapping at home, you know. Trez C. Obama. No, thank you, Trezco, for uh, joining us this week on the episode. Uh, I was glad to have you, and it was a ton of fun. I hope you feel the same way. I feel the same way. I also hope Ronan is putting in uh, some clapping here, because I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I deserve it. I hope it, he has eh? fun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this was fun. I, I think it was really cool to revisit um, what happened last year. And last year, let's face it, last year, it was a somewhat dire podcast. Like, it was, uh, like, I still was positive, but there was a lot of change coming. And there was a lot of things that we were a little afraid of and scared of. And people didn't know where it would go. And I think... This year, while there are still problems, I think we're having everything on a little more positive note. And we're having cool stuff in front of us. So one thing I still want to say is that I really want to say thank you to the two of you and the entire team. Just because uh, last year when we last talked, it seemed like the podcast was basically over. Like, um, that was it. 
and uh, many people actually messaged me and asked what, what about the podcast and people kept asking me can it be back on Spotify and stuff and now that it is I'm really happy and I think in the last year the um, you, you as a team just stepped it up a notch and um, even me that I mean most people know is fairly busy and just tries to stay away whenever you, he, he can from stuff just to keep his mind off things um, enjoys listening to you on a monthly basis um, and that's just a huge commitment so to all of you a uh, gigantic shout out and I am happy that I was able to do my part yeah things are getting better for sure just overall but um, you know I think just everything's getting better uh, so it's it's easy to feel better about a lot of things like that um, a little bit less uncertain of a year, but you know, it's um, there's still the stresses of life and all that. So, thanks also to Ronan Recordings and Lenny Demon, our editor and script writer, respectively. They do a lot of work behind the scenes, and uh, well, we couldn't do this without them. And we'll see you all next time, definitely, on the Gossip Stone Podcast.